Hello everyone, welcome back to the Shock Absorber podcast. Um, as usual, I am here, your co-host Joel, but I am not, as usual, coming from the Third Space Studio in Kiriwai. I am coming from my study, and the reason for that is because we're just taking a break over the next couple of weeks from recording new Shock Absorber content, but we didn't want to leave you hanging. For the last couple of weeks, you would have noticed we've brought you a few different sections from our Shock Absorber conference that we held in 2021, in October 2021. Uh, now it's time to bring you the third part of that conference. And we were discussing implementing the Shock Absorber. And then we brought on our planning pastor, Jai McMorty, to discuss this. Jai has been part of the Soul Revival Youth Community at Gaiman Anglican Church. He became a pastor at Gaiman Anglican Church. And then also went out to work at other different churches before returning uh, to the Soul Revival community after we had planted Soul Revival Church. He's now a planting pastor. So he has a ton of experience implementing the shock absorber in different environments. So if you're thinking about involving intergenerational ministry as part of your ministry or you want to explore more of an intergenerational ministry expression, uh, this is where I think you're going to learn a lot. So I hope you enjoy it. hope you learn a lot. And at the end of the episode, I'll be there to tell you how you can get in touch with us. But for now, enjoy this part. Well, as we do come back into our last section, we're going to be thinking about implementing our shock absorber. What has it actually been like to put this into practice? Um, as Stu mentioned earlier, we have started talking about different phases and different size vehicles. It might be a Vespa. You might just start with a very small group of people trying to implement some of these principles uh, maybe you're up to the mini um, and you've got a few more people you can pack in maybe you've got a combi maybe you've got a transporter maybe you need um, the 100 seater i don't know what fits 100 people uh, something bigger than a transporter a yellow submarine maybe you need a yellow submarine uh, like the boys have uh, there on the table but uh, we're going to talk about implementing that what does it actually look like to put all this into practice uh, so I'm going to pass back over to Joel thanks mate well Tim I think you're doing an outstanding job so thank you so much we're also providing free IT support from Adam so <laughs> that was great it's been a great day today um, I'm joined back on the panel by Stu of course and then of also Jai you're coming back I'm back couldn't have enough you couldn't get enough of us. I went and had something to eat why you did hospitality. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the reason that we got you on, Joy, is because um, I think your experience really speaks to what we're, we're doing. So you, um, just a little bit of history we can talk about for yourself, is that you uh, became a Christian and started going to Soul Revival while it was at Gaimere Anglican Church. Yep. You then became a youth pastor at Gaimere Anglican Church through that, then uh, moved away to a different, couple of different churches. Yep. And now you're back um, to help us and you actually came to plan our first by two first off-site gatherings, yes. which are Cronulla, was Woolaware, now yep. Cronulla, and it's also uh, Yarrawarra. So yep. we thought it was awesome to get you on because you've had experience being part of the Shock Absorber as you grew up, trying to implement Shock Absorber principles at uh, churches that probably adopted a homogeneous unit principle approach, and then you also come back to implement a Shock Absorber from the very scratch of beginnings. Mm. So I think that's um, a, a great... Uh, Opus, not an opus. What's the? Uh, I like that word. Body, opus. body of work. Opus is better. Okay, I like opus. Okay, so it's your opus. But <laughs> I've no idea what you're talking about. Well, that's all right. Well, please, please, um, if you wouldn't mind um, getting into it, and um, let's let's hear how those kind of experiences helped you to implement shock absorber in different scenarios. Yeah, yeah. So, um, happy to talk about the uh, 
uh, the two churches that were at prior to coming back to Sora Bible Church to uh, plant um, our two gatherings, uh, off-site campuses, I should say, um, where we, we learned a lot. Uh, in the first one, we tried to change things in the, at the second one, and um, and third time, lucky, hopefully, you know, we get things a little <laughs> bit more uh, succinct. But um, uh, but one of the things that we we did learn very early on is that uh, engagement and in communication with as many people as possible is really important. Uh, so as a, as a youth, I was a, I was a youth pastor, a youth minister, and assistant minister. Uh, having conversations with my senior minister was really important to make sure that I or find out what I could do and couldn't do. That was really important. When you go make all these changes and then get told I can't do it, um, that was really important. But uh, one thing that we didn't do the first time around, which we did the second time, was actually engage the rest of the church. So uh, in both the churches that we were part of. We looked after the youth ministry and we looked after uh, the Sunday evening gathering. And that's the one where we made uh, the changes and tried to implement these things. Uh, but the first time we, we didn't talk to the other gatherings, the other services, where in the second time around, um, we tried to do that a little bit more and probably could have done better at that uh, even second time around. Um, because what ends up happening and what we found was that we got a lot of complaints from people saying that we're stealing people from their gathering. Uh, or their service when that wasn't the, the 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 truth or that wasn't what was happening what was happening is we were doing something people from the other gatherings were like, oh we'll go and see what's happening and go oh this is really great and stayed and so it was one of those things where communication is really important across all the gatherings as you make these changes and i guess to the other thing uh, that we learned from the first one in particular is uh think thinking about things as a long-term goal not immediate things that are going to happen straight away so it's not like you can you know you're here at this conference you're listening to uh to all the wonderful things that we've been talking about um you may even have one-on-one -on -one chats with Stu and joel and uh, and go well okay next week we're going to start and it's going to happen it's actually it takes a long time to get these things going and it's good to to think through well this is where we want to be what are the steps for us to get there and what are what are the changes that we need to make because uh as much as you or I might like change. Uh, there are a number of people in our churches that struggle with change. They feel uncertain uh, and unstable in change. So change at a slow pace is a good thing. Um, but there will be some things that need to be changed early on to set up those further changes. So the last church we were at, uh, the youth ministry was on Sunday afternoon before the 7 p.m. church. It's half hour gap in between. That, mean, that meant that we couldn't change anything really with the service. We couldn't do, um, you know, our youth leaders were, were pretty much all dead in the water by the time they got to the church service. So there wasn't much that they could do. Um, and the, the adults, we had a very um, consumeristic culture in the church. You just came and was served and then went home. And so the very first thing we had to do was actually move the youth group from Sunday to Friday. And we did that pretty early on, which then meant that we had an opportunity to move the Sunday night to five, um, where we did, you know, coffee and then moved into 5.30 church. Um, the other thing that we found really helpful too, again, learnt from the first time we did this and, and it worked much better second time around, was getting a team together. Uh, it's really, it, it doesn't work if it's just one person trying to push this or my wife and I are trying to go, well, this is where we need to go. But actually getting people who are actually on board and wanting to do it uh, within an existing church, it was almost like, it's almost like a core team or a launch team within a larger team, I guess. I don't know how that would work, but that's the kind of idea. Um, 
But what we realized the first time is we had mainly young adults in our team and we actually didn't do, uh, we didn't connect well with those older than us. And so the second time around, we, we had a much larger uh, team and diversity of ages. So we had one couple in there who had grown up in the church and were about to retire uh, to a, uh, a, a young, awesome uh, bloke who had just finished high school and was doing a gap year. And so that was the range of ages in our team. And that allowed us to connect much more uh, fluidly and easily with, um, with, with, uh, with this idea and with uh, the, the all ages that are there. Um, but it also meant too that we actually could model what that looks like to the whole church so they could get it. And I think that was really important, mm -hmm. um, that modeling, because we realized too that there wasn't a hospitality culture in our church. And so Kristen and my wife and I uh, decided that it needs to start with us. So we would just be inviting people over in large groups. You know, we'd have uh, <coughs> 15, 20 people over at our house, all from, you know, not, not necessarily people who knew each other particularly well, but we just have them over and just share a meal together to try and get that um, culture going so that we, again, it's a, it's a short-term change for a long-term goal. That makes sense. Um, and so we, we, we tried a few of those little things uh, here and there um, to, yeah, to try and, try and engage as many people as we possibly could and make those changes uh, to be as least clunky and soft. And I guess to having a team, everybody owned it. It wasn't just coming from one person too. Um, and so, you know, we really wanted to work hard on getting those relationships going uh, across the board. We, we, you know, we um, like what we do here now, we moved our kids ministry from during the service to before the service. So um, our kids pastor could be actually part of um, our gathering and helping set that culture because he was really uh, excited about it as well and wanted to be a part of it. Um, and so, and that meant too, that we could have more adults uh, involved in our kids ministry uh, doing like a kids chill, which is what we do here at Soul Revival Church. And um, more, more older people getting to know the, the, the younger kids and the younger kids getting to know the older ones. So we had, you know, trying to get, foster those relationships like you're talking about with uh, Bev and Pippa, which is, you know, always brings a tear to my eye of, of joy when I hear that story. Um, and so, yeah, and we, we tried to do the, the dinners straight up and try and get people involved in that. And it, that, I think we moved too quickly on that and we ended up falling back to a, uh, monthly potluck dinner, which was great. They were good. They got people hanging around and people involved. But there was a lot of people bumping into each other in the kitchen. Uh, different. Sometimes there was someone's meal who didn't. Uh, it, it, people didn't touch it, and so that caused a bit of you know people to get upset. Um, and so it was it was good, but it was a it was a step towards doing something more regular and trying to also show people that uh, catering doesn't have to be this. You know, you don't have to do like a five course banquet type thing it's just it doesn't simple. have to be master chef no no it's a spag bowl or something like that you know mm. those sorts of things so it was just moving towards those things there's a lot of spag bowl in at solis back in the day right Stu? apparently spaghetti bolognese is considered australia's national dish i don't know if you've ever looked that up but i'm i'm 100 percent behind that i think that and dumplings are my two favorite food groups <laughs> in the whole world yeah I, i'm not keen on the parmesan i've got grated cheese on the spag bowl it's been a new, new thing. Very Australian of you to get rid of the uh, one of the Italian ingredients. <laughs> I don't mind the Parmesan myself, but yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so that, that your kind of learnings in terms of being outside a shock absorber mm. 
type uh, ministry. Yep. So when you come back to Soul Revival, which is what year, sorry? Uh, 28, uh, end, uh, end of 2017, I think it was. Yeah. We'll go with that. <laughs> That's good. Um, uh, so since then, you've helped plant two gatherings, one at Yarrawarra, one at Woolaware slash Cronulla. Yep. Um, but then also we've started um, formulating our church planting um, model mm-hmm. in, in within that. So what I'd like to ask is that um, you you weren't here for the first few plants, which is obviously, obviously fine, but I think that what it's allowed us to do is to see where we might be able to change things and certain things. I know that in uh, season two of the Shock Resort, we actually talk about with where we actually think we may have missed the Shock Resort to a certain degree. So mm. I'd love to ask both of you guys, because you've been so involved in, in all of this, is... Uh, what were the key learnings do you think from planting five all age, all stage gatherings across well since 2012? Yeah, well, I think you uh, hit the nail on the head with the um, Woolaware Cronulla one is that we didn't have that all age, all stage uh, involved in our launch team. Um, and so we missed, I think, can't remember exactly, but there was a gap in that sort of, uh, sort of teenage, young adult kind of, uh, which uh, you know, looking back now, we're, we're trying uh, doing the commitment helpers, which we've spoke about before, has been really helpful to try and bring people into that. But we, yeah, we didn't start with that. Which and why is that important though? To, to if we we did miss that kind of um, age range, why was that important that we should have looked at more, making sure that that was there? I think some people do, even though we're really embracing of intergenerational ministry, some people are looking for people their age group when they first come in and they don't really understand the whole idea. It's a big family. Uh, So it does help having people similar age to be there. And that's why I said earlier that, you know, an idea between churches to network for some things, even if it's like taking Jim's idea and doing the Saturday night, every now and again, there might be a local church that would be willing to come visit as well to that particular gathering so that, if say some of the grandparents ask some of the teenage grandchildren to come along, there's other young people and they go, Oh, okay, this is for young people as well. And that slowly starts to, you know, just help people a little bit. So I think one of the things I'd like to say is that even though we do intergenerational ministry, some churches do intergenerational ministry by what's called the inclusive congregational approach by Milan Nell from South Africa. And he says, do everything together all the time with all the different ages we're a little bit different to that. We we do have times where we come together as a family, uh, even in worship uh, in the formal setting, but definitely in the dinners and stuff. But we also have times where we get the people of different ages together so they can also um, look after each other. I mean, one example of that at Grime Anglican Church was when we had the year 11 and 12s coming up into the young adult ministry of Solis on a Saturday night, but we still had Matt and Lauren running that on a Friday night. And I don't know if Matt and Lauren want to comment on that, but one of the fun ways they kind of helped get that hospitality vibe going was uh, Lauren, I think it was with the, uh, the, the, the ham and cheese tomatoes. Was it ham and cheese or ham and tomato sandwiches? Well, toasted, to sandwiches do? Yeah. toasted sandwiches. Or was it? Toasted sandwiches. Yeah. What was it, Lauren? Uh, well, cheese and tomato, but there was also a hot dog and there was a whole lot of Devon usually <laughs> on a Friday night. So there was uh, a whole lot of fresh bread, a whole lot of Devon, a whole lot of cheese and tomato and tomato sauce and, it was uh, make your own adventure sandwiches on Friday night. With, with irons? You, like you did the whole toasted iron? Yeah, iron toasted, yeah, so you could go fresh or you could go toasted, whatever you, whatever you took your fancy, as long as it was on the bench. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember back one day, Maddie, you, you were there with this big, big like pile of 
Devon in a. In yeah. I think no. you're getting ready for the night. I'm like, yeah, what are you doing, Devon man? And you're like, I've got this big pile of Devon. I'm like, all right. Eh? It, was, yeah, it was, it was bringing a Friday fun. night signature. Yeah, yeah. And it was bringing fun and something strange and different and funny, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You got anything on that, Matt? Oh, just you got to be careful what you wish for because often, you know, when the senior highs then graduated, they gift us with um, kilos and kilos of Devon. So <laughs> we'd always have Devon in the fridge. Still working through it now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You're still working through your body now. Yeah. <laughs> How Australian is that? Just quite. Yeah, that's what the bio breaks are for. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it got me thinking. I'm going to have a Devon and tomato sauce sandwich tonight. I reckon for dinner. I think that'd be nice. <laughs> Righto, <laughs> you can do that. That's fine. Maybe you can Uber eats it. Um, uh, just while we, just before we get back into the discussion about that, I was just thinking, if guys, if anything comes up from you uh, from what we're discussing, chuck the questions in the chat now rather than waiting for that time, because then we can come back to them um, when we do head into the discussion. Uh, how did the things that we learned um, turn into that church planning model that we talked about from the Vespa, the Beetle, and the Combi guys? Because I know that's a relatively new um, turn of phrase that we've started to to bring into our um, lexicon. So how do we um, how do we reach that point? Yeah, so uh, again, I think it was Grace and Michelle um, talked about uh, this idea of connected community. And of course, we, we love to play around with things and we came up with the idea of talking about Vespers and uh, Beatles and Combis. Um, and that kind of came from uh, one of the lessons we learned, I guess, or one of the, uh, the key learnings of the size of our launch team, um, where I think with both Woolaware, Yarrawarra, and our Sunday afternoon here at Kiriwee one, our teams were 12 or less for our launch team. And uh, we realized that that probably needed to be more. And so this language of talking about Vespers and Beatles and Combis as, as, in terms of sizes of church plants was, became this really helpful metric for us to understand what was needed, what needed to, uh, I guess, you know, from a, a Vespa, you don't need air conditioning because you're kind of just getting whacked in the face with, with air. So you don't need it. Um, but when you get to a Beetle, you probably want some air conditioning. You know, you know. Air cool car. <laughs> just turn the, wind the just wind in the window. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so little things like that uh, became helpful um, as, as we, we started to think about sizes and, and, and needs and things like that. Yeah, I agree. And so, so starting off, we, we used to, uh, in our first iter- one of the things we really love is iterations. So iterative approach is it gives the church permission to try something with it. Even if it fails, that's okay. Like we're going to give it a go. Uh, we like to talk about SpaceX sometimes here at Soul Revival Church. I love how there is some, some more than <laughs> Well, others. I do. Okay. okay. That is true. But I love how SpaceX are trying to take us to Mars, which is a big goal. So they break it up into little goals. So they start off by seeing if they can get a rocket ship to take off and land again. And they blow them up one after another. They're fantastic watching it. Now, we don't want to blow something up and hurt anyone, but the good thing about the SpaceX thing is they blow that up without anyone being in it. So you do safe practices to try new things. You don't want to hurt anyone, but you, you can you can say build failure into the, the process. When we first started, uh, Matt and I used to talk about greenhousing. That's another metaphor you could use for it if, if the uh, iteration thing doesn't work for you. But when you start something new, you put it in the greenhouse, um, like a new little plant, so that it doesn't go out in the full sun and die straight away but you can nurture it until it grows its root system deep enough so you can put it out in the garden so this idea that we've originally we'd have a launch team of say 20 people or 30 people that could be in the greenhouse 
whether we call it that or this new idea of connected community, it doesn't really matter. But the new connected community, like a really small uh, group with not a lot of structure, it's not even a formal gathering. It's like a Bible study that is getting ready to see if they can grow their Bible study to be big enough to plant a, a formal gathering. So at the moment, West Rider uh, going from that at the moment, from what we call a connected community with uh, between one and 30 people and then when they get to about 30 people that's like the start of a formal gathering and we're calling that a beetle stage so it's just a, a classification for us so that we can go let's let's actually uh, think the structures we need when we first start as a bible study group aren't that many we don't need a lot of structure you can have devon sandwiches every week with 17 people in your house and you don't need to have a lot of formal stuff but as soon as you go to a formal gathering it becomes more structured and we've, we've even recognized that even that will be different if it gets bigger again. So that's why we've gone those three different cars or vehicles to represent that so that we can help communicate to our church that as we get bigger, we need a bit more structure, but it doesn't scare people. You don't have to have all the bells and whistles as you start. You can slowly grow into it. I don't know if that's helpful, but that's what I like. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the, that we can start planning for that next we start building things before we actually get there instead That's of a good point, just yeah. getting there and going, oh, we need to do this, this, and this. What kind of the, uh, structures do they, would you prioritize in terms of when you start as a Vespa, for example? If you're very, like very beginning, what were the, the ones that we would prioritize to begin with? Yeah. Um, oh, I think welcoming is really important. I think the team that actually uh, is organizing the Bible teaching. Uh, that's really important. I think the hospitality, getting something together to do the cooking, having something for the kids straight away is really important as well. So I think at the very minimum, those sorts of things I think would be worth considering. Mm. Is that the kind, that's what we're kind of doing if you were at the Vespa stage, you think? Yeah. 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 And then you can add more complexity to it as you get big. You might want to start thinking about doing a youth group and have a youth and young adults ministry when it gets a bit more now, you know, you might not have any children in the church, but it's still good to have that there in case some, children do come with a family because then there needs to be some safe adults that can look after those children so but then as as it gets bigger again you know we develop more and more teams like a world team that helps us to connect up with world missions really important communications team to help communicate to people so you can add some diversity as you go along but it, it literally is like these vehicles like when you just that beetle over there you know it's only, it's got two doors because you only need between two and four people in it but this this little car here has got a slot. Oh, this one's got bay doors. Look at this. This or the is big real one. fancy. Or the big one behind you. Yeah, or the big one. Well, mine's got sliding doors, but this little model's oh. got bay doors. That's pretty cool. Um, suicide doors. Aren't they? <laughs> it's got one at the back and it's suicide doors. That's what they're called. <laughs> okay, there you go. I didn't know that. And then two front doors. So, you know, even that, like, is, you know, if you're going to put seven or eight people in a car, it needs to be a bit bigger. So I think what that does is when you first start out your ministry, you start going, from the and if you go into a submarine, you only need four people in a submarine, the yellow submarine with Paul George <laughs> and uh Ringo. Ringo and John. There you go. Oh my goodness, well I'm done. a massive Beatles fan and I pause there. That's dreadful. Anyway, so yeah, so that the idea we've got here today is think of your church as a car. What where are you at? Like how how big is your gathering? And ask the questions, I suppose, ask the questions, what's really important for the for us at this size? But let's have an eye on what we need to develop and start doing that before we get there. Yeah, yeah it's part of that long, long term, mm. that long game. Kind of have a, an idea on what you want to be and then how to get mm. there. Mm. Yep. 
And you always talk about building a bridge to a new reality. Mm. So you've got a lot of metaphors to, to, yeah. to start experimenting with stuff, which is That's really it. cool. That's yeah. Uh, any other learnings you wanted to add in there just before we go into the discussion? Um, I think to, um, you know, we've got uh, 10 service teams, which we see is really important for uh, our gatherings. And, and when we first started Woolaware, we said we need four of those, which were pretty much all of those things that Stu said. Um, and we made sure that we had people in place for those things. But I think having uh, those four people who were heading that up, trained and ready to go, and then also training people to step up into the next six things before actually needing them probably would have been something um, that would have been helpful then. And that's what we've been doing now is we've been, instead of trying to retrofit, we're getting people trained up and ready to go before. Okay, cool. Well, let's um, turn to the Q and A discussion, Tim. If you're uh, if you're able to, has anyone put anything in the chat? Or are we going to have to call people out? I think we're going to have to uh, call people out. Uh, nice. If you'd like to, if you have questions uh, about, we are coming to the end. So if you got a burning question from um, the keynote at the start about hospitality, um, about the implementation that we've talked about in that section, or anything else to do with shock absorber, really happy to take your question you can throw it in the chat or you can raise your hand or you can wave at me yeah tim i've got a question excellent go for it amy i was just wondering back back when you first started meeting on a saturday night um that was quite different to what was normal um and i'm just wondering did it take much convincing of other people to give up their Saturday night to come and meet together? And like, how did you pitch it so that um, people came on board with giving up their Saturdays to do something new? Yeah, that sounds really good. Is there anyone here from Soul Revival who goes on Saturday night that would like to share their thoughts on that? If there is, uh, that'd be great. If not, I'd be really happy to jump in. But Joel, do you want to share thoughts or anybody um, else want to talk? I suppose when we first started, it was pretty easy because for us it was because we'd been having a the youth community youth and young adult community meeting on a saturday night already so we i think it was a it was almost i mean i could be speaking out of turning but it was almost like a no-brainer for us we were just like yeah we already do it on saturday so let's just do it on saturdays and it works right i don't know you yeah you mean you, you were leading that discussion a lot so you and matt so mm. I, I that's where i that's where i thought we were going but i think mm. amy's looking for how did you talk about it how do we discuss it well when we first pioneered it it was a bit earlier with the youth and young adults and it was a big conversation because people found saturday night to be party night and that's the night off every week where you have most fun and we wanted to deconstruct that by saying let's make saturday night party night with jesus and let's see if we can we can hang out socially around the word of god how good would that be and so some people found that to be uh, a bit difficult and I think over time, oh, there was lots of different conversations we had, but over time, I think what we settled on was uh, something that Oldenburg said. I mentioned him in the first talk. Oldenburg said that in a third place community that you're going to get regulars and irregulars in your group and there'll be the regulars that are really committed to something and then irregulars that, that kind of just hang around on the outside of it a bit more and don't really feel super connected to it. And I think with Saturday night, the first thing was to get a group of people as regulars who would like to share life together and do life together on a Saturday night that would enjoy doing that, whether anyone else came or not. And it wasn't, wasn't crucial for other people to be a part of it. And we enjoyed it so much that we just found ourselves inviting people along and people saw that it was a lot of fun and people came along to it. But even now there's 
people who will come to church at Sorrel Revival who will just come for the hour and they're a bit more irregular. They're not quite as, you know, committed to staying, cooking, growing their own vegetables, making their own tomato sauce and then bring it along and teaching the young people how to cook and all that takes a whole day or whatever. There's people who just, they're like, yeah, that's cool. If you want to do that, that's mad. But like, I just want to come to church for an hour. So I think it's about permission giving, giving people heaps of freedom. The other thing is that people need to feel like they can opt in and opt out of it. They don't have to feel like they're stuck in it if they commit to it. I think sometimes as Christians, we can assume the worst rather than assume the best. So if someone can't do something anymore, people go, oh, come on, you have to do it. So, and in the past in Soul Revival, sometimes people have put a bit of pressure on people to come on, let's all do this as a team. But I think it's really good when people have permission just to be on the outside of it and enjoy that or have been in the middle and sort of want to just put less effort into it. And so we've described that as ministry slide, that people can either slide into ministry or slide back out of ministry so that they don't feel like they have to do that forever. I don't know if that helps, but that's some of my thoughts. Any follow-ups, Amy? Um, I did think of something a minute ago. Now I'm just trying to remember what that was. Um, oh, yeah, I think I was just going to ask, when you first started at Stu, um, like switching the youth group from the Friday night to the Saturday night, um, did the, did the youth who were coming at that time all come with you on the Saturday night or did that switch kind of make you lose some people along the yeah, way? Thanks. Yeah. I, actually, that's good to clarify. What we didn't do was move the group to Saturday night. We, as youth leaders, read, read, we as youth leaders led the youth group on Friday night and then we hung out together as a community on Saturday night. And so all the youth leaders hung out. And then when they hit 16, the teenagers were invited to come on Saturday night. But yeah, there were people who opted out of that and people who opted in. And also another interesting observation I made was that it was the beginning of our intergenerational experiment because it wasn't normal for young adults to hang out with senior teenagers and vice versa. So we had compromises with our lifestyle to do that. So we decided not to drink on Saturday nights so that the young people could hang out with us. So that was one example. I don't know, is there anyone else online that would like to share a bit more about the Saturday night thing? Um, I have one thought, if I can jump in there. Um, Ethan from Soul Revival. I didn't change my name. Sorry, everybody. Um, the, um, I was just going to add that something that was, that was really important about Saturday night was, I think, um, the welcoming, welcoming nature of, of the community. Um, and something that's really important is, like, as you were saying, Stu, uh, it's really important to be really permission giving and not put any pressure, but at the same time, we need to find a balance between that and saying, Hey, we actually would love you to come and join us. Mm -hmm. And we really want you to, to be a part of our community and, and be friends together. And, um, and like in the past, that has been a whole bunch of that, that, that comes in different forms, potentially for different people. Um, I know that a lot of my friends go to church um, partially because they have been um, lovingly peer pressured. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which which is always fun. Um, there could be a title of a book, Ethan. Lovingly peer pressured. Lovingly peer. I I would love to write that book because um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff behind lovingly peer pressuring people. Um, but it's 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 about it's about like like you were saying. But you you still have to like be able to give permission um, and be really loving in all the stuff. So I'm I'm not definitely don't hear me going. Yeah, what Stu said is great, but I think you should peer pressure instead. Um, I, I just think it's yeah that that welcoming aspect is is something that was really important for um, 
for me and, and for the people that I know that I've invited to um, come and hang out on a Saturday and, and then who have gone on to uh, continue to sacrifice their Saturdays um, and hang out late into the night or whatever. Mm. And I guess a, a good example of that too was I remember um, that uh, we always encourage people if they were, had a party on, on a Saturday night that we weren't saying, well, you can't go to that party but we would encourage them to come before the party so we could pray with them and for them as they went to the party, which was, um, so there's that, that, that freedom, but there also that, I think that encapsulates really well, Ethan, what you were saying. And we didn't always get that right. Like sometimes people feel too much pressure and stuff like that, but that's the messiness of church. So you just, and that's why those forums and those communications where people can talk about how things are going. I think we learnt a lot in our approach by constantly coming back and having a conversation about it. And then, iterating again a new iteration that made it better something like that yeah and um, just as a final point on the saturday night thing um i know that amy does listen to the podcast the shock absorber podcast but in season two episode three we called it on a saturday night and we ran through a lot of the reasons why we we chose to make it the the first night mm. when we planned it so That's a good that, point. that'll give you some um a few more extra tidbits if you're if you're looking for that uh is there any more questions tim or we can um uh i can't i can't see any on the chat no, I don't have any others. Does anyone want to raise anything else from the floor? I was just wondering if Grace or Michelle still online. I thought they might be at, like to share. They might be in Bible chats, but if oh. they're on, they're on. They, it'd be great to hear from either of them or, or anyone else. They've jumped out already. Oh, yeah, they might okay. have already left. Let's wrap it up. Like that's our latest gathering that we've planted, West West Ride, um, mm. and those guys are doing fantastic over there we've been really encouraged by what they're doing um sure you've been a big part of that obviously helping helping them do that what was the the main things that we've learned from doing that as a that was the connected community that we learned was where we could really start a, a very small gathering yeah so grace was the second year more college student when she came to hang out at soul revival for a couple of years as a student pastor and then when she left uh more college she started work at city bible forum in the city and she and i just had a cup of tea and she was saying is there any way we can stay friends into the future and I said, oh, maybe you could start a Bible study if, at West Ride. I'm sure that'd be all right. So I talked to Peter Haywood, our bishop. He was cool with it. So uh, Grace then started that with Michelle and then they got a group of people together and they started meeting for Bible study. And then over time, that's grown to 17 people, even during uh, COVID. Uh, so at the moment, they're con considering like what's the next step. And so I, 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 I had some chats with um, Glenn last year our archbishop about that and the bishop of north sydney and just because that's a bit unusual for us to plant something on the other side of sydney but uh, i think there's been a bit of um you know a bit of interest in that and when people have asked us why would we plant another church in the you know west right area our response has been well it'd be really interesting to take the intergenerational ideas and the soul revival way of doing it and see if it would work outside of the Sutherland Shire and with a group of people who are from uh, Asian background as it started because um, the whole team's got uh, Chinese background. And so it's been a really lovely journey. And I think we've learned a lot more from them than they've learned from us. And I think they've actually changed Soul Revival in the Sutherland Shire a lot because they've come from a Chinese background and most of us come from an Anglo background here in the Shire. So that's been cool. So the way Grace has been thinking about it is apparently – uh, in within uh, educational systems is this thing called a connected community idea. And the idea is that you have a central place where the teaching comes from that central place, but 
you can have little communities of people that can talk about what they've learned together and grow together from that. And, and Grace thought that that might be a new, I mean, other churches do similar things, but it might be a good idea to go from a Bible study that they call Bible chats to maybe that group of people could watch the service online and then talk about it and have dinner afterwards. And then if it got big enough, it could become a service. So that's where we brought in that word Vespa. That's like a little pre church community and then now they're getting to a point where they can have a formal service so they're currently looking for a location in the area that might be willing to uh, host them the great news too is they've had about half of the group are non-christian people who've come from different backgrounds and this year two of the group became christians and uh, they've decided to get married and that's really lovely and uh, yeah it's just a really nice story so i think that's been really interesting and could, could I just encourage people too that if you do come up with new ideas too, we'd be really keen to hear it because I think the sharing of ideas is the way forward. And I suppose today what we wanted to really get across is uh, we wanted to say, let's keep exploring as Australians. You know, let's stick to our theology. Let's, you know, have a really strong theological approach, but let's be open to experimentation and, and, and trying new things. And then if we find something that seems to be fun, maybe share that around. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your time, guys. We're gonna we're actually gonna wrap the conference up now. Um, I, just before we do that, though, I just want to say thank you so much for um, everyone that's participated and been part of this and, and and joined us on this experiment, which we decided to do um, back at the was it the start of this year? Yeah, this year? yeah. I think that's when we decided we really wanted to do it. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't meet together, but we're really excited that we were able to do it online. And next next one we'll do, we'll definitely, will hopefully be um, in person. So um, that we're excited for that. I just want to thank the guys that have helped this put this together. Braden, particularly, who's on the on the on the technical side, and also Ethan, who helped him set it up. So that's awesome. Um, to Jai, thank you very much. Thank you. Stu, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. To Tim as well, thank you. And also Paul, who've all come together and we've all done everything um, in a really fun way. So I hope you had a good time. Um, and thank you, Joel. <laughs> You're welcome. Not a problem at all. Uh, I just wanted to say that uh, if you do want to keep continuing to talk about these ideas, there's a couple of ways we can do it. We have a Discord channel open, which is actually, if you're listening to the podcast or watch it on YouTube, uh, you can just click into that. Um, uh, also, uh, you can just email me, which is joel at shockabsorber.com.au. Um, but we'd love to keep continuing to talk about intergenerational wisdom. We think it's a really uh, great way to do church and um, to really grow and love God and love others, as you spoke about before from Matthew 22, 37 to 40. So we'll leave it there. But uh, we are going to say that that is, does end the formal time. But if you do want to hang around and chat about these ideas in a less formal setting, and we'll just we'll just be sitting online um, for the next half hour or so. And if you, you still want to ask any questions with a little bit less formality around, then we, we will just be here. So if you want to stay on Zoom, um, we'd love that, but if, please feel free to have the permission to, to log off now. But once again, thank you very much. And as always, I'd like to finish with a, a one way. One way. Thanks, guys. Hey, everyone. It's Joel. Just jumping back on to say thank you so much for listening. Again, we really, really appreciate everyone who's got involved. Uh, now, if you want to keep getting more involved, if you have any questions about implementing the Shock Absorber from this episode or anything related to the Shock Absorber and intergenerational ministry, you can get in touch with us in your in a, your, a number of ways. Uh, the first way is you can email me. 
joel at shockabsorber.com.au. Another way is you can jump on our Discord server, which the links are always in the show notes. So you can just jump on that and join the conversation. Uh, you can put a comment on a YouTube channel, but if you're not interested in just getting in touch with us, the other thing you can do is just keep listening. So subscribe to our YouTube channel at um, Soul Revival Church or subscribe, keep listening on your favorite podcast app. Uh, we love it. We love talking about intergenerational ministry. We love that people are getting involved and thinking it's a great way to do church, as we do as well. But I we just want to say again, say thank you very much and finish up as usual with a one way. <laughs>